We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com. Joining me shortly is Chris Biederman. He covers the 49ers for the Sacramento Bee. And our guest today, our midweek guest, is my boss, Neil Kulong. He's the senior editor of NFL Sites for USA Today SMG. He's the head of the dev team over there. And we will ask him a lot of questions. He's also a NDSU alum who followed Trey Lance very closely in college. So we'll talk about Trey. We'll get his thoughts on Jimmy Garoppolo and just some other general NFL stuff. Should be a fun conversation, so let's get into it. Blue Wire. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. Chris is here. Neil Kulong's here. Chris, I'm going to start with you. Um, how much worse has your life gotten since you've stopped working for Neil? <laughs> how much worse? Yeah. Um, <laughs> man, do I do I lie right now? I mean, yes. life's, life's yes. not. Life's it, not pay is probably better. <laughs> uh, uh, no comment. I, I mean, no comment. Uh, no, like, uh, I love working for Neil. Neil was great. Um, and uh, and I've enjoyed my my post working relationship with Neil, even though it's it's probably less than I would have liked. But this whole pandemic thing happened, and traveling became a little bit more scarce. So uh, you know, but I'm glad Neil's Neil's joining us to f- provide his unique perspective on on the situation as an NDSU alum. How many NDSU alums are there? Are there like 15 or like 20? Like how many people go to that school? We, um, when I was there. It was about, I think enrollment was about 12,500. And I think they're at oh, about 16,000 now. That's pretty big. And, that's bigger than yeah. I thought. Yeah. It's, yeah it's, cool. it's a reasonably, you know, moderate, it, basically your quintessential FCS school. The FCS level was really built for a school like NDSU, you know, not able to uh, probably come up with the funds necessary to, to maintain um, that, that top level of uh, football competition uh, along with everything else. So it's, it's a moderately sized school. Interestingly enough, it, it transitioned to division one while I was there. 
um, their first division one game, I think was uh, the, the season after I had graduated, I left. Um, it, they, they went division one and they had a lot of success right away. And then um, it, two years into that, they won their first national championship and they haven't really looked back since the, the talent that they've brought in there, I think is around the league. Trey Lance, Carson Wentz, probably being the, the two biggest of it, of uh, that group. And I think you look at a, a school of that size, being able to recruit uh, the, the lower level talent that they have in the area, as well as uh, well outside of their area, they, they have multiple players from Florida, from Texas, uh, they get kids that can play. And I think it's, it's really the overall story is I think the expanding size of the FCS going in line with more of a, a sub package philosophy within the NFL it, kids that are going to get an opportunity to play right away. If you go to a, a, a high profile FCS program like North Dakota state, they'll get opportunities to play. They'll play deep into uh, the, the postseason, and plenty of them get drafted. I mean, they're, they're NDSU's had more kids drafted uh, than Texas has over the last decade. So you look at wow. things like that, they get opportunities and they can play um, Cooper cup for, for example, he's one that I looked at as being the, 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 yeah, the type of guy that would have been graded at NDSU, but obviously he made the wrong mistake or wrong choice in, in schools, but he was, <laughs> he was a high level player uh, at that level. And he was competitive with NDSU. They, they played him, um, didn't hold him down. You couldn't really hold that guy down, but clearly he was a guy that, that had a high level of talent and was going to have an NFL career. You, you could see that uh, pretty quickly in his profile. A lot of people thought he might be a, a, a second round pick even. Mm-hmm. Um, Jabril Cox is a player who transferred from NDSU to LSU last year. Um, slight, change in, in uh, profile there for sure. He gets drafted with the fourth round. I think it was by the Cowboys um, plays on special teams there. Now it looks like Kyle Emanuel was a, a linebacker, all American player at NDSU uh, had a pretty decent career with the chargers. He retired probably a little bit early, but uh, he was a good player. Um, Easton stick is there now, oddly enough, Easton stick career wise is probably the best quarterback of um, what they call kind of the big four at NDSU, a kid named Brock Jensen, who started it all off and of it was uh, Carson Wentz, then Easton stick and then Trey Lance. So of all of them, three of them are, are uh, in the NFL. Now Brock Jensen, I think played in Canada for a little bit, but uh, to get NFL level quarterbacks at a school that size playing against, you know, increasing competition. Uh, it, it's been a lot of fun to watch, you know, to, to see that as an alumnus from the outside um, when it was division two, for the most part, when I was there, um, definitely a big change, but uh, it's been, it's been enjoyable. When Trey Lance first got on campus, was the expectation that, oh, this guy's going to be a top 10 NFL draft pick or or did he sort of evolve into that um, as as his freshman season wore on uh, that you know, year that he, he led them to the title in 2019? It's kind of funny. Uh, depending on who you ask, they'll all say they knew immediately when he came in that he was the guy. Um, that that's absolutely not the case. I know that I, I, I knew the name because I'll follow the recruiting and stuff, but he wasn't recruited very highly. Um, Marshall, Minnesota, where he's from is a, a fly speck of a town. Right. There might be 6,000 people there. Um, he was not highly acclaimed at all coming out of high school. You could tell that he was an athlete, but I don't think he really had grown into himself yet. I mean, he's, he's a man now. He was pretty thin uh, when, he, when he first came in. And they had Easton Stick as the, the school's all-time career uh, leader in pretty much everything. Um, he wasn't going to play right away. 
his his true freshman year because the, the rule had just passed. I forget what they call it, but um, where true freshmen can play in like up to four games or something while they're redshirted. Right. Um, they'll schedule games where those kids can play. And Lance's he got in. It was like 45 nothing in the third quarter. They play a lot of games like that. But uh, Lance got in, in the second half and one of his first plays. Um, it, it, I don't think it was the designed run, but he took it up the A gap and he ran 60 yards past everybody. And it was like, oh, my God. I mean, this you could tell this kid had a lot of talent. Um, it, it, my thought right away was if, if he's their starting quarterback next year, my Lord, they're 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 going to they're going to be even better because they were loaded uh, his season. You know, his, his redshirt freshman season. Um, he did compete for the starting job, though. And a lot of people don't remember that. They didn't just give it to him right away. Um I tweet, I'm going to pat myself on the back here probably more times than I should. And I, I apologize for that. Oh, but please not really. do so. I, I, I watched the first game that he played was against, I think, like Butler or some school that frankly doesn't, shouldn't be playing for the sake of their own safety, shouldn't be playing NDSU. They <laughs> played him at Target Field in Minneapolis. And this was kind of the, let's put NDSU in the, the Twin Cities area for the sake of recruiting. And we'll play somebody that we're going to beat the brakes off of. Uh, and then have all the red shirts play our, our, you know, the second half of our first game. Uh, Lance played in the first half of that game. He had a long run, a long touchdown pass. His numbers were just astronomical. They, they walked all over this team, but it was clear right then and there that it's like, this kid's way better than everybody else. And I, I tweeted out as a joke, something to the effect of his name is Trey Lance. And I spelled it out. Remember that name. And I pinned the tweet because it was like, Part of it was just, you know, you want to spread the word of NDSU and it's kind of fun to, to be, you know, at, at the tip of the spear, things like this. I had no idea he'd end up being the player that he was. He just got better and better as each game went on. Um, you could see that he could throw. He had great vision. But more than anything, he's just he's so athletic. He, he's really tall. He's really long. And, and he made moves in space. It wasn't like you looked at him and thought this is a Lamar Jackson type of runner. But it, it's really hard to take him down in the open field. He's physical. I, if anything, I'd, I'd compare his running style to more like a Cam Newton. He's a big dude mm-hmm. that's going to stiff arm you, but he can juke you as well. And that was kind of his bread and butter. <clears throat> they leaned on that um, through the, the championship. I think he had like 30 carries in the, the national title game that year. Um, but you, you could definitely tell he was, you know, he had an arm. Um, it, it, at that point, it's like, all right, he's going he's gonna to be an NFL player. The question is when. Mm-hmm. Now, this is to me, this is what gets really interesting with the F- FCS. When you think of FCS high level quarterbacks at that point, you thought of Steve McNair, really um, mm-hmm. Heisman Trophy guy. He was a top three pick. He was a senior. Lance is a redshirt freshman. He's he's 19 for most of that season. He's going to be drafted at 20. Does that happen? You know, it, can an FCS prospect impress people to that degree? And the more you watched him. And the more that you pay attention to any trend in the NFL at all, if the quarterback has potential, whoever it is that he played against doesn't really matter. You know, they're, they're going to need to, to, to uh, snap him up. And oddly enough, I know this sounds self-serving, but uh, the, the people that I talked to about him, the way that they described him, the more and more I thought, this is Kyle Shanahan's kind of guy. I mean, he's versatile. He's athletic. You can get him out on the edge. He can create his own offense and he can make you pay for trying to shut him down in the run game, whether that's, you make, you know, one tackler miss and, and run for 30 yards down the field, or he can hit a deep seam tight end uh, when he's out on the move. That's the kind of throws that he would want to make. 
And in all that, you just saw this extraordinarily talented, but really raw player with a, a ton of potential. And I think he landed in, in the best spot that he could have landed in. And I, I think they're bringing him along probably in the way that he needs to be brought along. I, you know, he, he didn't throw the ball much. He was a running quarterback in college. Um, he could throw the ball. You saw the physical potential of him. It, statistically, I know he didn't throw an interception, but I can tell you directly there were a lot of them that would have been intercepted. It wasn't, uh, sure. it, it wasn't like he was, you know, insurmountably better than everybody else. Uh, he made mistakes, but he was really good. He rebounded from it and he was just relentless. It was impossible to keep the guy down for four quarters. I don't think he really had a, a bad game. There wasn't a game where he didn't make three or four pretty big plays. Um, it, it was, it, you just didn't see players like that at that level. That's the main takeaway that I always have with him. It's just, he's so much better than everybody else who's out there. And he's a kid. I mean, it really just, it doesn't happen that way. Just goes to show the, the progress that FCS has made and this, you know, just insane level of, of growth and maturity that you saw in his game from where he had to have been in high school. He was a high school quarterback. University of Minnesota didn't even really recruit him. I think it was it was between NDSU and Boise State. They Boise wanted, was the only other school that, that wanted to, to uh, try him a quarterback. Iowa wanted him as a linebacker, I think it was. Minnesota um, wanted him as a safety. Yeah, yeah, that doesn't surprise me. Minnesota had a coaching change at that point, too. So yeah. they, they kind of just went with what they had. P.J. Fleck had just come in, probably never heard of this guy. Like I said, fly spec town, um, not known for really anything. Uh, they have a college there. That's about it. Um, it, it, he wasn't, you know, a high level prospect. And I think you'd imagine that that's what his game would look like, but to see him on the field, the first time that I did, um, like, wow, a lot of people missed out on, on the talent of this kid. So you talk about the progress the FCS has made. And a lot of what we heard about Trey Lance coming in was, oh, this guy gets coached really hard His quarterback coach, Randy Hedberg played in the NFL and they get these guys pro ready. They hand him the keys to the offense. He's making checks at the line. He's doing all this kind of pro style stuff is it do you think the right move by san francisco to not start him and then play him you know these kind of random handfuls of, of snaps he's going to get here and there is that is that in your mind as somebody who doesn't you know watch the 49ers day in and day out is that what you would do with trey lance i like that concept and i, I say that carefully because it, it's, it doesn't have a whole lot of precedent in the NFL. Generally, you hear you don't take the quarterback off the field. You can't do this. It's kind of a college gimmicky thing. I think we saw in that first uh, – the, the first touchdown that, that San Francisco scored against Green Bay was, was evidence of why you do that. If, if your offense can't do with your starter what Trey Lance can come in and do, which is get out to the edge and, and create something for yourself, why not use that as a package? I, I think that makes sense. In, in the sense that from a team perspective, you're putting your best out there. You know, it, it's another thing that uh, whoever San Francisco plays this week has to prepare for. They have to know that, that San Francisco is able to do that, which is another weapon that they have. Um, they're not overly complicated. You're just putting a really athletic big kid out on the field, uh, putting the ball in his hand, saying, you know, run. If the pass is open, throw it to somebody. Um, it, I like that concept. What the risk has always been is, well, you put your quarterback on the edge, you're risking him getting hit. I don't think that's so much of a risk with him. You know, you get out there. Yeah. You, you've got safeties that can step up and hit, but this isn't, you know, 1985, you can't just tee off on the quarterback the way that you used to. So 
um, he's a lot more protected. And because of that, I think he's even more dangerous. And I, I say him, I mean, anybody, um, we'll see this more and more. I think, I think San Francisco is, is testing in a lot of ways, something that could be very effective within the red zone. And he looked great doing it. In my opinion, I mean, you break a sweat on that play, just ran it in, you know, they, they weren't going to get to him at all. Um, I, I think it's smart to do that as well in the sense that he does need experience. You know, nobody, I was the card carrying member of the Trey Lance fan club dated September 3rd, 2019. I, I've got the receipts. I'll show you. I called this guy a long time ago. Oh, we, we believe you. Nobody else did. Nobody <laughs> talked about him until I think it was Mel or was it Mel Kuyper? Mel Kuyper mentioned him. And then from there, it was funny to me because one blogger said, yeah, Trey Lance is really good. North Dakota State's a good team. The next blogger says, I see him as maybe a third round pick. He's got a lot of potential. By the end of the week, he was the first overall pick and the greatest thing we've seen since Andrew Luck. All the bloggers won up to themselves. Who can get on the bandwagon of this first? It's like, you haven't even really seen the film. He's barely played and there really isn't widely available NDSU film, you know, you don't see that just anywhere. And they play in a really dark arena. That's not all that great to see. It's, it's tough to, to make out who he is, but I, I watched plenty of the kid play to say he definitely has the potential, but he didn't play, you know, he really didn't get a whole lot of experience. So for me, I think it's smart to let him acclimate to the speed, the way that they're doing just pure athlete on athlete, you know, get out there and play football um while you're giving him more to digest and, and more to kind of break in you're in it for the long haul with him for sure i mean that 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 goes without saying um i i don't think he needs to step in there immediately and be a guy that that has to throw 35 times a game you look at the struggles of uh, the other rookie quarterbacks around the league right now san francisco is able to protect him from that and at the same time build on his strengths let him do for the team the things that he's good at doing and everyone's going to improve that way. And he's going to be in a great position when I'm, I'm sure he's starting for them next season. 49ers football is finally back. Not just on the road, that a home game, electric atmosphere is unbelievable. Well, there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find 49ers tickets anymore, y'all. Because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site, and the only one you'll ever need is your go-to for all NFL tickets. See, what TickPick did is they got rid of all those like service fees and all that stuff that you buy your ticket for X price, and then you see it's twice that when you go to check out. They got rid of all those fees. It allows them to guarantee the best prices on all of their NFL tickets. And if you don't believe me, you can if you can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. So the 49ers had their home opener against Green Bay on Sunday Night Football. It was incredible. Loved the atmosphere. The atmosphere might be even better in week four when they host the Seattle Seahawks at Levi Stadium. You need to be there, and TickPick has you covered. Can't wait to be out at that Seahawks game. We had some people, uh, Chris, on Twitter that hit us up and said they used TickPick to get out to the, the Niners Packers game. There's some people that are going to games on the road. TickPick works, and it's the cheapest way to get your NFL tickets. Visit TickPick.com slash Candlestick today and use the promo code Candlestick to save $10 on your first order of 49ers tickets. Can I name drop a, a, a prominent Bay Area media member who hit me up asking for, uh, for a plug on tickets and I sent him TickPick? Please. Marcus Thompson. 
MT, my guy. MT, yeah, he uh, he used it. He was thrilled. He came up and thanked me in the press box yesterday. He was like, "Dude, that was that was clutch." So yeah, awesome. if, it, if it works for Marcus, it'll work. It'll work for you for sure. And Marcus Thompson is not the kind of guy that, like, if it didn't work, he wouldn't come up and just BS Chris. He would just ignore him. Yeah. So. Or he would be like, you know. "What the hell, dude?" <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Oh, that's okay. There you go. Yeah. Very good. <laughs> Tick pick. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So you you are a follower of the Steelers and you've probably, I'm sure, written a lot about the Steelers and still watch them very closely. But one of the things I find interesting about the Trey Lance conversation um, relating to, I guess, all the other rookie quarterbacks in the league is just the type of situation that he's come into, right? Like, I think it's fair to say when you talk about just the supporting cast and the infrastructure and the coaching staff and the scheme that you could compare um, this situation for rookie quarterback to like Dak Prescott with the Cowboys in 2016 or even Robert Griffin III um, in 2012. And obviously there it's analogous because Kyle Shanahan was there also. Um, but the Steelers did this with Ben Roethlisberger and, and played him very early as a rookie and, and were wildly successful in doing so in part because they had a really good roster. They had a team already capable of contending. And I think that might be the most similar situation um, if we're making comparisons in terms of, you know, how wh- where you put Trey Lance and, and the 49ers and what the possibilities could be if he plays a lot. So, like, do you do you agree with that, knowing what you know about the Steelers and how closely you follow them? And, and is, is in your mind, I know you just said, like, Trey Lance is, is probably really raw and, and could use seasoning before getting thrown in there. But is there a comparison to be made about how the Steelers, um, you know, threw Ben Roethlisberger into the fire early on and and relied on the infrastructure and the rest of the roster to lift him up to provide an upgrade at quarterback while also developing him and getting him those reps that he needed? Two things I would say with that. One, yes, the Steelers definitely had the, the roster in place to handle a rookie quarterback, but it was not their plan to play him. He was the third string quarterback his rookie year uh charlie batch was the backup he got injured in training camp and then tommy maddox went down uh in the third quarter of of their week two game uh the last game they'd lose until the playoffs ben came in um on a team that was already pretty committed to running the ball and was capable of of playing pretty good defense 
that's also a much different era of the game. Back then, they, they really felt that you could run to set up the pass, and running the ball was the key thing, and there were two running backs in the backfield. It was really weird for, for the kids to look back and see the way the game was played back then. <laughs> but it, it, if you look at the roster construction, the second thing I'd say is this. I watched the San Francisco game, and I watched the Jets play yesterday, and the, the biggest takeaway that I had is that San Francisco is a little bit better than the Jets. And poor Kyle Wilson's going to die before this year is out. They're a dumpster fire. I mean, they're, they're, they're miserable. And it doesn't matter how good your quarterback is. They, they can't protect him. They don't have the weapons to support him and they don't have defense. I mean, they're, they're just a mess. Um, Trey is in a great situation with the 49ers because up until, you know, perhaps some difficulties with their, their secondary San Francisco has a pretty good roster. They're, they're able to support that if they wanted to do that. Um, At the same time, I would say, what that capital buys you is a a decision. The Jets don't have that decision. The Bears felt that they had that decision. I'm not sure what decision they have anymore on on anything, really. Um, You're you're looking at Mac Jones having some success in uh, New England, largely due to a a rebuilding team that invested $130 million or whatever in free agents this this offseason. Different situations for everybody, and, and I don't think anybody would really argue um, you know, rock for rock. I, I think probably uh, the best situation belongs to Lance in, the, in where they are. He's going to have the quickest opportunity to be able to earn a starting spot with a, a, a good competitive roster. So I think they're able to bring him along the way that they need to bring him along. It doesn't have to be set at uh, kind of a standard established by the rest of the league or other teams or his peers or anything like that. Uh, Trevor Lawrence had to go out and play, you know, there's no question. He was going to, um, he, he was going to be the starter Lance. It, it, they didn't have to do that. They didn't need to get him out there. And really it, it always has kind of depended on, you know, whose ox is getting gored on whether he should start or not. He needs experience. That's true. He needs to learn. That's true. Some start earlier than others, and there's probably not a direct correlation, uh, a, a strong one anyway, between success and when they actually start. So they have the opportunity to, to cater something that, that's unique to him and where he is, how they evaluate him. And I'm, I'm sure that they're giving him you know, the utmost level of, of attention and uh, uh, teaching every opportunity that they get to make him into the player that they want him to be before they throw him into the fire. And I, I think that's, to me, it, it's sensible. Um, I wouldn't mind doing that, but if I'm the Jacksonville Jaguars, I'm probably going to start Trevor Lawrence too. you know, consequences right. be damned. You need to get him out there. You can't really sit that guy. There's As a different, somebody... no, go ahead. I, I just one point there's, there's a very different vibe in terms of like the way 49ers fans. And I think Kyle and I too, like the way we view this thing, because I, I don't think we view Jimmy Garoppolo as like good enough right now to be an impediment to Trey Lance playing. Like I think the conversation in the Bay Area right now is like, why isn't Trey Lance getting more than three snaps a game? Yeah, not even starting. Just can he get yeah. eight snaps or ten? And on that topic, Neil, as somebody, because we, I think a lot of times you get when you watch a team day in and day out and game in and game out. I think you get an idea of a player. And you just allow their play to kind of reinforce that, uh, that notion that you have. So if you feel one way about Jimmy Garoppolo, for example, if a person thinks that Jimmy Garoppolo should start and the 49ers are going to win a Super Bowl with him under center, then they're going to look at what happened against Green Bay and go, well, he brought him back from 17, nothing down. He led him on a, 
go ahead drive with 37 seconds left. Like it's on the defense is not his fault versus the people who are kind of tired of watching Jimmy Garoppolo or uh, want to see Trey Lance or think that Jimmy Garoppolo has some shortcomings are going to look and go, well, he was part of the reason they were down 17, nothing. There were some not so great throws on that last drive. You are somebody who watches Jimmy Garoppolo sometimes. <laughs> How do you feel about like when you watch him play quarterback, what, where do you put him like in the hierarchy of NFL quarterbacks? I, I would say this, Jimmy Garoppolo is not destination TV. Um, what? He's, it, it, he made a, a couple mistakes um, in the, the, the Packers game. They were kind of like, dude, you're getting paid way too much for this. <laughs> I, I, I already watched the Steelers today. I don't want to see this again, but he, um, I, I think he's an adequate quarterback. I think he's limited. And I think um, to, to your point, it, it really depends on whose ox is getting gored. You know, if, if they, if, if they feel going into anything that Jimmy Garoppolo is capable of doing this, they're always going to view the glass half full. If they want him out of there and, and Lance to come in right away, everything he does is terrible. And he works up to, to mediocre. The weird reality is, is it's kind of both. I mean, it, it, to some degree, he is making adequate plays. I, I liked Chris's point before. He's not doing enough to give the job away at this point. You have to do a little bit more than that to bring in the 21 year old rookie who hasn't played against this level of competition uh, before training camp. It, it's going to take a little bit more than that. And I, I think you saw an adequate effort, not an outstanding one from Garoppolo. And yes, if, if you want to look at it this way, he brought them back. It seemed to me there were a lot of things that were involved with that penalties being one of them. It wasn't <laughs> entirely one player. Um, and it usually isn't, but always quarterback is going to get way more credit than he deserves and way more blame than he deserves. I don't think he's earned the bench yet. That, that would be my unprofessional take on it. I, I don't think they're at that point yet. Um, but you know how it is. I mean, every day that, that uh, you know, the, the heat under his seat is going to increase uh, if they're not winning every game that they play. If they are, then obviously you don't want to make a change. But you can't think that if the season goes off the rails, Lance is not going to be in there, um, you know, it, it, as soon as possible. They're, they're going to have that become an option. Um, it, it's more likely for that to happen. Uh, with it, with you know increasing losses. Now, I, I you guys would know far more than me whether they're at the point where they want to make a decision like that. But I'd imagine what Kyle would be saying right now is we're not going to hit the panic button. We don't want to go to the nuclear option yet. But that day is going to come um, at some point. I would imagine unless they rattle off eight in a row here, they're going to get to a point this season where they're going to have to honestly decide if they want to put Lance out there. Um, or how about this? Is it even we want to start Trey Lance versus do we want to, we want to bench Jimmy Garoppolo. Those are two different conclusions in my mind. Um, a lot of that depends on how Lance is practicing, what they're doing with him. And, you know, perhaps it's a health issue at some point with Garoppolo. If he's not able to get out there and, and play at the level they're going to need him to, uh, they give him a week to, to heal up or whatever. They're, they're going to be faced with that type of thing. Uh, in my opinion, sooner rather than later. And um, you, you hope you know, I, I don't root against anybody that, that doesn't play in the AFC North. I, I want, you know, I want players to get a chance to, to earn their contracts. I think it's rough when when they have to get benched, but uh, that's going to happen to Garoppolo. I mean, I think even he knows that he's the frontline candidate to replace Ryan Fitzpatrick as the guy who plays on a different team every year. You know, it, it's it's coming to him for that, in my opinion, just because 
he's talented enough to be a bridge guy and he's entered that phase of his career. So I, I want to bring this full circle since you are a Steelers guy and you mentioned Jimmy Garoppolo potentially hitting the market. What is, what is the threshold of trade package that the Steelers would give up for Jimmy Garoppolo that would have you upset saying that's too much? Like Boy. what, what round of draft pick is like, man, that's way too much for Jimmy Garoppolo uh, in terms of being Ben Roethlisberger's eventual replacement. Looking at everything outside of Ben Roethlisberger and the Steelers, I think they need every pick they have. Um, yeah. it, it, it's going to be tough for them. I mean, from a, a cap perspective, they could take it in. Um, I'm not worried about that part of it. Assets, though, it, it's, it's going to be tough. I don't think Garoppolo is worth much in terms of a trade because of the contract. Um, you're taking on a, a pretty significant amount of money. How much does San Francisco probably, want to pay for that? If he got if he got dealt, I would imagine the trade would be contingent on a new contract. Perhaps. Um, if you're the Steelers, it, it, when is this trade? If it's in March. Yeah. Yeah. March, let's, this offseason. Say, it, say yeah. it's in March and say Garoppolo signs a new two-year $30 million contract. Let's do it here. I have a game to play. Uh, yes or yes or no. Are you doing this? A seventh round pick. I'm the Steelers, right? Yes, you're the Steelers. Um, on his current contract, I would do that. Seventh round pick. No, but the, the two for 30, you know, you're getting him two years for 30. Two for 30 for seven, then yeah. um, guaranteed in the second year. <laughs> you're doing it. You are doing it. Uh, here's, here's the thing. It, it's If it's in March... I, I'm drafting a quarterback if I'm the Steelers. I am not getting right. out of the draft without a quarterback. So right. Garoppolo on a two-year deal on starter money both of those years, I don't know if I necessarily want to do that. I don't want to no, – I need that kind total, of a bridge back up. million a year. Oh, yeah, yeah, 15 okay. per. It, yeah, it's yeah. the Fitzpatrick rate, you know, that yeah. with inflation, yeah. it's probably going to be about 15 <laughs> next year. So <laughs> there, there's some sense to that. Um, I'm not totally against that. I really don't, if it's me, I don't want to get into what Matt Nagy is going through on a day-to-day basis. And it's obvious to me that he made some type of blood deal with Andy Dalton, as far as the, the level of support that Dalton is getting it's crazy. for the complete lack of time he's been with the Chicago bears. I don't know if he saved his kid or what, but it, it's, it's overboard. And I wouldn't want to have to do that. I, I would want to have the ability to start the guy that I need to start. Now it, it's, odds are pretty good. That's going to be Garoppolo. Now, if I'm deciding that in March, which Carolina did, which um, to get with Chicago did to to get into the situation where you lock into a starter starter money and whatever type of agreement that you get to, to get Andy Dalton to take 10 million to, to play for your team, you are saying essentially um, if, if we draft a quarterback, you're going to be the starter because this is what we want to do. Situations change. I would want to keep it more fluid. If I'm trading an asset for that contract, then I'm definitely locking in that I really am, am establishing this guy as the starter. I, I'm i not against that idea. I wouldn't be able to give up a whole lot, though. It, seventh, sixth. Steelers hate their fifth round picks for some reason. They've traded it out two years in advance already for a guy that doesn't even play for him. They, they have some superstitious thing against their fifth round picks, but um, I'd give, you know, the, the 2024 fifth round pick for them. Sure. They're, they're going to trade that probably by next week. What if we tack so. on a void year in 2023? 
<laughs> so, so I'm if, of the if, belief, yeah, if the second year is a void year, I might do that. I, I'm of the belief Jimmy's probably worth like a third or a fourth. Yeah. So you yeah, wouldn't do I'm, it. You wouldn't even do it. You're like you're having a hard time doing it for a day three pick. I, th- I think his valuation is probably a third or a fourth. I think there's a yeah. team out there that, that's going to be in a similar position as Pittsburgh uh, that, that might want to do that. I don't know if I'm willing to do that. Um, I don't think it's a bad deal, though. I, I, I see the market value of the deal, and I wouldn't be surprised. It, you know, it, the terms that you even pointed out, I wouldn't be surprised if that's exactly what happens. Somebody does trade him. Um, Darnold on the cheap went for a second. Garoppolo, pretty expensive for a third, seems like a stretch to me. I, I think he probably gets one of those, you know, multi-year picks. We'll swap if this, then conditional, sure. something like that. Probably fits he best. Sixteen games, it, it's yeah. a second instead of a third type thing. Yeah, they're they're okay. they're going to have to be conditions with a deal like that. If it's me, I I would do that. I wouldn't want to give up much, but at the same time, if he is my starter for sixteen or seventeen games uh, next season. I think odds are better for me if I'm the Steelers that the rookie wasn't ready and Garoppolo did good enough of a job that, you know, I'd feel comfortable having given up a third round pick for him, but I I would need the conditions in there for that. You would probably need to improve the offensive line. Also. Mm, Great point. Oh no, they're great. Does, (laughs) does Jimmy like running for his life? Is that something he enjoys? (laughs) Not, not not based on the last two weeks. (laughs) Yeah. Not the best under pressure. Uh, (laughs) Although it would mean more targets for Najee Harris, which is, I think, something we're all here for. Yeah, we 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 uh, we figured out how to get him targets. Nine to five forever. He did not have a problem with that. Usually nineteen. He had nineteen targets. (laughs) Team record. What was it? Fourteen catches on nineteen targets. He dropped three of them, and he got like a yard after the catch or something like that. It was the most just embarrassing. PPR laden game in in Steelers history. Incredible. Um, they won the last game that they, they a guy named Jalen Samuels. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. Oh He's yeah, the, no, of course, yeah. He uh, he caught I think thirteen in a, a, a seventeen to thirteen win over the Patriots in a game, and he, was he literally the, was tackled where he caught the ball as a running back like the entire game. He had like he was six a weird guy to pick up contact. when like when like James Conner was out. It was like Jaylen which was Sam- often like, he had like tight end eligibility or something for a while. They, they had listed I remember him. He got listed as a tight end because he played tight end in college. Um, oddly enough, he wasn't athletic. He wasn't big enough to be a tight end. And he's not agile enough to be a running back. So um, he's on the practice squad now. <clears throat> Surprised he's still there, in fact. I was going to make a joke about, wow, I'm, I, I didn't realize the Steelers have ever beaten the Patriots, but I feel, figured that would probably cut a little too deep. So I won't Why do you think I remember it so well? <laughs> <laughs> Literally one of two times they beat Tom Brady in like 13, 14 years, I think it was. <clears throat> I played him 10, and some of the some of the games you'll see in his, his Hall of Fame highlight reel are going to be against Pittsburgh. Yeah. It was savage. It's tough. Well, well hey. thank you. Yeah, thanks. Thank you for joining us, coming on the pod, offering your unique North Dakota State perspective. We really appreciate it. Definitely. Thanks for having me, guys. Have a good night. You too. For sure. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. 
Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.